welcome to another episode of Dr. Dallas Unleashed. Uh, Angelica is here with me today. In the building. Uh, And uh, this is going to be a hard-hitting, fast, uh, packed with a lot of uh, good info for our patients. Uh, So it's not going to be one of our longer episodes. It's going to be just short to the point. So uh, this title is going to be about you've decided to have surgery. What do you do now? How do you get prepared for having a surgery? Um, And I think, you know, that's just a common question for everybody. You've had surgery before. Um, Why don't you tell the audience, before I kind of get into some of the the things that I would want from a surgeon's perspective, what did you do to get ready for your surgery? Um, So I I had to make arrangements to, one, take off from here and have somebody come take care of me. So my mom had to fly in from out of town and take off whatever she was doing and make sure that she had time to take care of yeah. me. That's super um, important too. Oh yeah. That's like the logistical part people don't think about. They're thinking about, you know, I might have to get my labs. I have to get uh, medical clearance, right. but you know, that's a really important thing to have somebody take care of you or be with you just so, you know, you had a breast augmentation right. and you don't want to pick up anything heavy. You might need that help the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have a load of laundry to do. You can't do that, right. you know, after that sort of thing. So absolutely making sure that person's available. Right. Yeah. And then, like you said, labs, getting your blood work in to make sure you can actually qualify and get surgery, yeah. make sure everything's tested good. And so I had to do that. Right. Um, I had to kind of re- rearrange my schedule as well. Right. Um, and then just start planning for how many weeks I would be out when I can start doing things again. Right. Um, and kind of go from there. I mean, yeah. and wait for these magic results to kick in, you know? <laughs> exactly. And they, they happen right away, yeah, they're right? Instant. right? They are literally instant. The, the swelling, all that stuff will get better. But let's just take it from the top, you know, from how I think about it, what a, what the patients should think about. Right. You've decided to have surgery. Now what? So let's kind of envision ourselves. We're three months. We've made that decision. Surgery's coming up in three right. months. One is for everybody to, to have surgery here, we want to be in my lesson 30. Yes. So you've already got the surgery planned out. We don't want you, if you're on the cusp of being, um, you know, BMI of 30 or thir- over 30, right. We don't want to see you gaining weight. So you start, you know, jumping into that 31 category. So BMI is your body mass index. Really easy to do. Uh, We tell patients all the time, go to Google, go to BMI calculator, and that's going to be your weight in kilograms or pounds over your height squared. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's say example, you're 5'5 and you're 170 170 pounds. What BMI do you think you are? (laughs) This is Just take a wild guess. I'm going to go with like a 28. Yeah, very close. 29. Oh, it's close. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So someone who's 5'5", five, five, let's say a female who's right. 170 pounds, you know that they probably could lose some weight. Yes. Um, but they qualify for surgery here. We just don't want to see that going up. So yes. that takes us to our next point. Three months ahead of time, start eating healthy if you don't already eat healthy. And I would like to think a lot of our right. patients like you already work out, eat healthy, but there are a lot of bad habits people do that they yeah. might not even know are really bad. I think one is, and this is the easiest way to lose weight. If you're a soda drinker, three months yes. before, cut out cut soda. Up. 100% right? switch to like yeah. a soda water, like a LaCroix or like a bubbly or something that you can, it's not going to have any yeah. sugar in it. It's It still gives you that, that carbonated yeah, well, exactly. So if you like easier. that carbonation, water. Um, if you guys are watching YouTube, you want to see less of this and more of this. More of this. No. Yes. And, uh, you know, 
And so it's really interesting when I ask people like, hey, what's because they say like it's hard to lose weight, how do they lose weight? And then I just ask them for their general diet and they'll say, well, you know, I try to eat um, like a Subway sandwich and I'll have a Diet Coke for, you know, lunch and for dinner, you know, maybe I'll do um, uh, an Arby's or Chick-fil-A and I'm being healthy because I'm having chicken chicken with a diet, Dr. Pepper. Right. It's like, no, just cut out. Even the diet's got really not so great stuff in it. It's like um, all the replacement sugars are just as bad is having sugar right and nowadays people are thinking you might as well just have the sugar than having a lot of these like nutra sweets and all that sort of stuff yeah so if you can cut out the sugary soda drinks already you're going to do much better you'll see that weight start to slip off right the other thing is just eating healthy you know i think there's a confusion with you know i'm going to have a chick-fil-a chicken as opposed to a water burger or mcdonald's cheeseburger well, they actually have very similar calories. Right. So um, eating chicken or a fish sandwich at McDonald's is not really that much better. So yeah. I think like you and I, we are vegetarians essentially. Yes. And so, you know, there's not a lot of options at fast food restaurants. So we're, we're forced to do the salads and that sort of thing. Three months before surgery, start doing that. I think it's yeah. just stay away from the drive throughs fast food as best as possible. But also try to incorporate, I think, um, vegetables. Yes, you lots know, of veggies. The American Heart Association recommends, or I think it's the American Diabetic Association recommends like 12 servings of vegetables, which seems like a lot, but you can get those in three meals Yes, uh, by having a good um, cup worth of vegetables. Um, But that's the hard thing about eating healthy is because it's expensive and it's hard. But I think people can do this for three months before surgery. Yeah. And then it becomes a a habit or a lifestyle. And you're always changing to be better and better yourself. I think um, a lot of people will get right underneath that 30 BMI. And then they're coming in here sometimes for the wrong reason and thinking that this surgery is going to be a big weight loss transformation for them. And they're not taking the steps to prepare themselves for surgery. Like you said, like eating healthy and they're continuing to eat unhealthy and right. all these bad trends and oh well liposuction will take care of it right his tummy tuck but you know it's yeah. not always that outcome yeah a little thing for for people the last thing i want to hear when i talk to a patient and i ask him how's your weight been and they go well right now it's the heaviest i've ever been so that's right. why i've come in and i'm thinking in my head no it really should be a time where you've lost a lot of weight mm-hmm. and now you have a lot of loose skin or i can't just you know i've been working out really well but i can't get rid of this little extra skin right because when i hear that the heaviest and somehow like oh i can't do it anymore you're my last resort really you know we're not a lot weight loss procedure yes, you know plastic exactly. surgery is about body contouring so that's where diet really comes in handy so we talked about cutting out the sodas, eating healthy, staying away from fast food. Right. What other advice can we give about eating healthy for patients? So like we said, is incorporate a lot of veggies. Mm-hmm. I think a nice protein is good. So maybe not such heavy red meats. And um, if you're going to do a big juicy steak, limit it to once or twice a week, mm-hmm. if at anything, and start incorporating like lean chicken or lean turkey or right. a piece of fish and try and stay away from frying it rather than baking or yeah. um, boiling something along the lines of that and adding fresh fish or even like shrimp to yeah. a salad always helps too. So proteins will help keep you full. Yeah. And I think the right type of proteins, cause you're, you're right. I think fresh fish and they always say these uh, organic or uh, wild caught fish that aren't yeah. like done in these nurseries where they're feeding all that stuff right. to them. Sam is always really good mm-hmm. um, because those type of proteins are really healthy. Um, when you start getting into the meats, especially processed meats, it's hard right. to tell, 
you know, these, are they organic? Are they grass fed? But, you know, steak in general or meat like that is very pro-inflammatory. Even if it's from a wild caught, you know, cow or, you know, grass fed cow, uh, it's very pro-inflammatory. And so I think that's what we see as being vegetarians. We don't have a lot of those issues when it comes to the things in our bodies that are causing a lot of inflammation. Uh, this will manifest like in sometimes headaches, yep. digestive problems, um, just overall sense of, you know, well-being and energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, agree I, I feel a lot better when, mm-hmm. when we're not eating a lot of steak. If, right. if meat is a staple food every single evening, like a heavy steak, that's way too much. Uh, it should be like a fresh fish a few times a week. Yes. Um, and that's about it. So I think people three months before would really do themselves justice, not becoming a vegetarian, but I think um, staying away from those heavy meats, steaks, those sorts of things. Yeah. It's really hard on your digestive system and um, pro-inflammatory. So ultimately, you want to create an environment for the body to heal really well and really quickly and not have a lot of these things going on in, in your body. So I like that. So the way you eat. um, The other thing I wanted to touch on was, and I've been doing this recently, and I think a really easy way uh, to maybe kind of drop a little bit of weight is intermittent fasting. Yes. And I think Mm -hmm. people talk about it and there's different confusion about, oh, do I... Do I just go on like water for three days? And there's a lot of different ways to do it. There are some fasts where they ask you to do that, just water for a couple days. These um, pseudo fasting things where you have like certain beef broth uh, or broths that sort of sustain you for three days. No, what I'm talking about is something that the everyday person can do, like me, and that's called intermittent fasting. So what does that mean? You don't want to eat for like a 12-hour period and then save your feeding for a very, you know, maybe six-hour period in the day. So how does that work? I try to eat dinner between six and seven o'clock in the evening. Whatever I eat will be my last, you know, thing to eat. And let's say it's seven o'clock. And then I won't eat anything until the next day at lunch. So I'm skipping breakfast and uh, my next meal is at uh, noon or one o'clock. So during that time, your body is basically kind of tricked into like the starvation mode. Yes. And it starts mobilizing a lot of your fats from your adipose tissue, which is basically your fatty pockets. You know, you can think about your tummy, your flanks, whatever. It's mobilizing that fat and also mobilizing the fat in your liver, uh, which all contributes to weight loss. Yeah. Uh, because if you, let's say you had a, you know, a sandwich or something, and then you went to go work out, well, your workout, your body's going to be really working on trying to digest and, and how to deal with those calories that you just ate. Yeah. If you don't have anything in your stomach to digest, it starts mobilizing all the fat in different places. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you have to work out in the morning. Uh, just the fact that you're up, you're walking around doing those things, your body is going to start mobilizing the right fats. So intermittent fasting, I think, is really helpful. Um, Have you had any experience with that? So I have tried to do the intermittent fasting before. I think it works really well. And I know that maybe somebody is not used to starting off with six hours. And especially if you're somebody who eats quite a few times a day, you like to snack throughout the day. I would start off with like four hours, you know, start small and then eventually work up to that six to eight to ten hour period that you can cut yourself off from eating. Um, Another thing that a lot of people don't realize is coffee in the morning yeah they add all the sugary drinks you'll go to your starbucks your dunkin donuts right. and you'll get something that is not healthy and recently i've been switching over to black coffee i've been trying ah, to do it like me yes was I've that me who showed you how to um i just realized no. <laughs> i don't th- i don't think it was you but i mean i'm gonna take tips from it but yeah. i think that it helps get 
you know, things moving in my stomach a little bit more yeah. rather than I could feel like I, I almost like crash because I was putting like Splenda and yeah. cream. And, um, I already have like some sort of like dairy allergy. Right. Um, so it bothers my stomach. So I tried to take that out just to be more comfortable at work. And, right. And I'll still drink my coffee. And um, with intermittent fasting, you're I think you're able to drink black coffee. Yeah. And, it's considered yeah. Um, if you don't put anything in it, uh, black coffee will not break your fast. Yeah. So you're still considered fasting if you have a cup of coffee. Right. And you'll still get that caffeine. Yeah. And um, I know for me, like if I want to go for a sn- snack, I know a lot of people will reach for a bag of chips or something that's unhealthy or a piece of candy. Right. Really, I think it's important to do a handful of nuts, an apple right. and some nut butter, some sort of almond butter, cashew butter, even peanut yeah. butter if you do the lower sugar sugar ones. But little small changes here yeah. and there I think will help them a lot. So once you're in that feeding window, uh, when you're intermittent fasting, right, this is not during the fasting portion, but when right. you start eating, let's say it's noon to six o'clock at night. Um, yeah, if you're feeling like a snack in between your uh, lunch yeah. and dinner, nuts are a great way because they have fats in them. Yes. And the good kind of fats, I mean, as long as you're not chowing down like, you know, a whole bag, um, you're going to feel a little bit more full because fat is what makes you feel full. Yes. If you were just to have like carrots and that sort of thing, and I've done it before, you have carrots and yeah, it tastes pretty good. It doesn't make you feel full. Mm -hmm. So you might need those carrots and some pecans or almonds or whatever well, it might and you be. You do that with your salads too. Yeah. You don't just leave it just plain lettuce and a little bit of lemon juice. Yeah. You add the craisins, you add the walnuts, you right. add the almonds and carrots yeah. and all different types of things to yeah. get the fats to make sure you're full throughout the day. Right. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what Angelica was saying. My sal- I always have a salad for lunch and I'll put in just normal um, lettuce that you get there at the, you know, uh, store. Uh, I don't use any type of dressing other than I'll put, um, you know, uh, olive oil mm-hmm. and uh, virgin olive oil and then uh, a little bit of vinegar. Um, vin- uh, what's the one balsamic that we use? Vinegar? Balsamic. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put a little dash of uh, apple cider vinegar, Okay, uh, which is good for your digestive system. And then I'll put the nuts. I'll put uh, raisins, uh, nuts, which is usually almonds and pecans. Uh, blueberries. You know, yes, I'm trying to do, to do things food. that I've read that are very anti-inflammatory yes. or good antioxidants. So their their job is to to help with all the inflammatory stuff going in our body and, and actually suppress it, and make it better. Yeah. So uh, I don't have arthritis, but if someone had arthritis, these are things that would really help them, right? Yeah. Less of the meats, more blueberries, nuts, um, because those sorts of uh, inflammatory states like rheumatoid arthritis can really get worse if you don't eat right. Right. Um, one thing about the uh, coffee is just be careful when you're fasting and then you have coffee. They call this um, the caffeine. If you have it like a naked caffeine effect, meaning there's nothing in your system, you're going to feel like caffeine hit really hard. Yes, exactly. And sometimes people can get this like jittery sensation right. afterwards. I get that sometimes too. So I don't uh, pick a strong coffee and I drink it really slowly. And if it's just too much, then perhaps putting some medium, um, what is it called? Medium acid triglycerides, oh, yeah, MCT we oil. Yep. So basically uh, that is some sort of fatty portion that you would put in your coffee. So it will... Um, give you a more sustained caffeine rather than this high spike and down again, that would break your fast, but it's, it's very little. And if that seems to give you a better caffeine, certainly do that. You know, you're not going to be gaining, you know, pounds just because you have a little MCT oil in your coffee. I don't do it. I just drink the coffee slowly. Um, but that's, people do talk about just having caffeine on an empty stomach and you've been fasting. 
All right. So enough about diet. I think people, you know, understand that nutrition is important. Very important. What about sleep? I think sleep is super Mm -hmm. important. Oh, yeah. You know, Um, and this is actually more evident when we have patients who have surgery and uh, they're not sleeping good for whatever reason. Uh, They all say the same thing. It really hurts. You know, I have a lot more pain. And then once they start falling asleep and having eight hours, they feel really good. Yeah. So, you know, not only is sleep good for pain control, but it's going to just help you overall to recuperate from a surgery much faster. And you recommend eight hours a night, seven, eight hours? I think that's a traditional, you know, eight hours. And I would say that's probably average. Some people work a little bit shorter, you know, they just can do with less, but some people have to have more, but average is about eight hours. So, you know, we're talking about what do you do before surgery? If you could start getting yourself on a good sleep cycle, it's going to make your body overall just work better. You know, you want to be the, the, you know, kind of harness the potential of your healing capacity. And that's going to help not only with, um, you know, good diet, but sleeping well, right? right? You want to be the best version of yourself, not strung out on coffee, sleeping two hours. Mm -hmm. I promise you, you'll have a longer recovery. If you don't yes. sleep very good. You don't want to feel terrible coming into surgery. You want to be at your healthy right. everyday yeah. point. You can't be at your worst and right. expecting no, surgery. You, you already need to be, to me, the body is like a machine yes. and you got to put the right oil in it. You got to treat it well. Right. Or, you know, it's just, you know, it's like it trying out. to do uh, this really cool upgrade, uh, but the car itself is like a, a Pinto or yeah. like a Volkswagen bug and trying to put like a Ferrari engine. You already got to, you know, have those other things in place right. and then we're going to add to it. Um, I think an easy one is a multivitamin tablet. You know, yeah. yes. most young people aren't going to have any vitamin deficiencies, but in the multivitamin, multivitamin tablet, you're going to have your vitamin D, your iron in there, which is going to help for you know, your, your blood stores. So anytime we do surgery, we do have some blood loss. We don't want you to be where you're kind of marginal. We right. want to have good blood stores. So it's not a big deal when we lose a little bit of blood. Uh, so starting that three months before okay. is really helpful. Um, you know, if you're smoking, no brainer, right? Stop. Yes, no, yep, yeah. you got to stop smoking. But the side note to that is if you vape, no vaping, that's got to stop. You what know, about weed. Weed, you can't yeah. do that. You know, even though it doesn't have nicotine, right. it's still um, the smoke from it impairs your ability to, you know, heal in the oxygenation to your peripheral system. So, um, yes, that even has to stop six weeks before uh, and six weeks afterwards. Nicotine patches, same thing. Okay. Nicotine patches, the nicotine is still... Um, works with blood vessels in a way and can cause some healing disruption if you're actively on a nicotine patch and trying to heal from a surgery. And no CBD or anything like that? or what are your You know, that's, I think that's pretty controversial. Okay. Um, I have had people who are on CBD, you know, whether it's patches, oils, drops underneath their tongue. Okay. And for the most part, we tell people, you know, if you're on it before, go ahead and just continue what you're doing as long as it's not excessive amounts um, and it should be fine. Because we don't want people to, to get off of it real quick and they yeah. get this rebound. You know, they have a lot of pain or issues if right. it's really helping something. Um, so right now the position is if they're on sort of a modest amount just to continue it. What about um, if somebody, I was going to ask something, I just kind of lost <laughs> it. Well, um, think about it while we're, we're talking. Um, <laughs> maybe have a Snickers. No, uh, yeah, only you can yourself. have. But uh, you started touching on some really important points, like logistically, right? What do you need to do besides the health, the, the, the vitamins, the sleeping? What about 
your your family, right? Your yes. mom doesn't live here in town. Um, you're not married, so it's not like you have a significant other right. in-house with you, but you need to get those arrangements done soon, meaning yes. that if you uh, live with your husband uh, or wife, whatever it might be, that they're going to be available to help you out. One, take you to surgery, bring you home from surgery, right. but also be available probably, I would say, that for the first two days. Right just at all times to make sure you don't need anything, everything from going to the bathroom, showering, just for that first couple of days. Afterwards, should be all right. But you don't want to be by yourself where right. your husband just drops you off yeah. and then that's it, I'm off to work, day one. It's tough. And, you, and whoever is your caregiver, I would say, or your significant other, your spouse, you want to make sure you're on the same page. Like you both yeah. are in the surgery together. Right. You, they know what they're getting themselves into. They know that, you know, you're going to need that help for the next couple yeah. weeks and that, you know, you, you need that support behind you. Yeah. You don't want to be like arguing on why you're doing it and they, right. they should be there. Um, so I know they, for me, they, I needed it. Yeah. The, I needed that support. Right. I mean, your mom was there to help yeah, you out. Yeah, she was awesome. But I, uh, I think you were kind of, uh, the other point was if your husband, let's say a woman comes in, a tummy tuck, um, breast lift, something like that, and your husband doesn't want you to get surgery and you're just dragging him in this whole mess and you're going to get it no matter what he right. says, that is not a good situation to nope. have. You're going into surgery. Your husband doesn't understand why you're doing it. So when there's conflicting motives there, uh, I always like to tell people, don't do the surgery. Don't do yeah. it until your support system is supportive. Yes. Exactly. Now, who cares if your mother-in-law, who might be judgy about why you're doing this, or your friend says you're just being vain, right. they're not going to be in the throes of recovery with you. It's your uh, husband or whoever is going to mm -hmm. be helping you that they're supportive and not going to... Uh, belittle you because right. the favorite thing they love to do is like, oh, see, you're in all this pain. I told you. And yeah. you don't want to hear that when you're struggling, you're hurting, hurting um, you know, and, and there are times where it might be bothersome more than others. And you need someone who's going to be there supportive, right. kind, and uh, not making you feel guilty about it. Um, you got to get time off of work. Yes. Right. Yep. got to make sure you can't call work up two days before surgery and say, I'm going to need the next week off. Right. Let them know. Three months in advance, mm -hmm. two months in advance. Don't wait too long to do that. As soon as you book that surgery, I'd let them know like, hey, right. depending on whatever you get done, it's I'm going to need two weeks off. I'm going to need three days off. I'm going to need this and this. And I mean, you don't have to go in detail what you're doing, but at least give them yeah. an idea. Of right. No heavy lifting for six weeks or yeah. whatever it is so they can move you around. Uh, babysitter, you, mm -hmm. you got little kids running around, you're doing a tummy tuck and you have a two-year-old right. who's still used to being picked up, make sure you have someone who can be with you. Babysitter, husband that's going to be with you. You will not be able to pick up a small child uh, for, I'd really say about a week, depending right. on how heavy they are. But just know that um, you're going to need help, whether it's somebody who's, you know, your mother, your in-law, your husband. Uh, but if you have kids, make arrangements to have help for at least a week. That's really important. Um, we talked uh, about people being on the same page, right? Yeah. You can't, you can't do surgery. So, um, and then of course there's the simple logistical stuff of labs and making sure those look normal. Mm -hmm. If you're doing all the things that we suggest, I, I'm pretty sure your labs are going to look good. We specifically look for your hemoglobin or your blood levels. So you get that a few weeks before. I'm going to be looking at um, your ability to clot, you know. So I know that if I make an incision on you, you're not going to bleed, bleed, and bleed. Your body can appropriately make yeah. a clot. And that's part of blood work. 
And of course, you have other medical issues, medications. We want your medical doctor to give us the okay to do that. Um, You think of anything else that would be really important that you went through or had to do before surgery that we didn't go over today? You know, um, when it comes to the pain medication, my mom did something really awesome and yeah. kind of she made a spreadsheet on what she gave me when she gave it to me and right. what it was for and we documented that i think sometimes um that's yeah. a really important thing that way you know that you're not taking two of the same thing or yeah you're overdoing one thing or anything like that um so especially I just think preparing for it yeah knowing yeah. exactly what you need to do the um the person helping you uh writing stuff down right. like the medication super important because yeah. you're taking let's say norco and a valium you might forget like did i take that two hours ago yeah three hours ago i'm supposed to take it every four hours one pill every four to six it can get confusing right and you yourself might not be having a great memory with these sorts of things. Yeah. So um, having someone do that just takes the load of, of just having to really mentally focus in on that stuff when you just want to relax. So right. yeah, that's a great, great point to keep track of medications like that. And I know that we said, um, I know anesthesia will say like, you're not allowed to eat or drink anything yeah. 12 hours before your surgery. And so you're not going to go out, let's say within the week of you getting your surgery and get hammered or anything like that. Or, um, I don't know, along the lines of, you know, doing something to mess up your surgery. Yeah. What else did I, oh, and sleeping. So, you know, I mean, I only got a breast augmentation, but there are other patients that come in and they get a BBL and a breast augmentation and, you know, how am I going to sleep? What am I going to do? Yeah. So you have to be ready for things like that too. And, you know, you can't sit up and, I don't know. You can't be in a, if you're a stomach sleeper, right? We hear that a lot. I can only sleep on my stomach. (laughs) And then we tell people, well, you can't sleep on your stomach. We just, we did a breast implant. It can really mess up their sleep rhythms. And so, you know, I don't know a good answer for that. You could try maybe not sleeping on your you know, sleeping on your back beforehand yeah. to kind of train yourself. But um, that, that is a hard one if it's you tough. have a particular way you sleep. Um, so, but anyways, uh, I wanted this to be short, concise. Yeah. I think we kind of hit on a lot of important we points. Did. And hopefully you guys can listen to this uh, because we really want it to be like, hey, you decided you've had surgery. Whether it's here, somewhere else, you're in a different country, you can listen to this and, and really get what you need to know uh, to prepare for any type of surgery. Right. Uh, and do really well and recuperate really well and have the best results your body can possibly do. So, yeah. um, well, thanks again. Your yeah. insight on your um, surgery is yeah. always great because some things that you've done, I didn't even think about. Yeah. Um, but I try to use my experience from hearing people and hopefully this is helpful to you guys. Um, so that's our hard hitting topic, what to do before surgery. Oh yeah. You can actually find my surgery vlog on YouTube. If you go to Dr. Dallas's YouTube page and you want to watch before, during and after surgery, mm-hmm. what it was like, um, do head it. on over there. It's, I do have it. boobs. Do it. All right. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Dr. Dallas Unleashed. Until next time, we'll see you guys. Thanks. See you later. Bye-bye.